right, welcome back to week three of Hedging Happiness. We are excited. We've got the, the ball rolling again. Two successful episodes. Thank you to, to everyone who's been listening. We we love our, our followers and our listeners. If you haven't, go uh, feel free to check out the Instagram at Hedging Happiness to kind of follow some of the picks we've been tracking, how well we've been doing, and in my case, how poorly I've been doing. But as we get going for week three, we have a new guest uh, this week, Elena Williams, which is Luke's cousin. We will introduce her in just a second. Uh, We're going to ask her a few questions, and she's going to ask us some questions. So it'll be a little different interview this week. And then we will kind of review the week two that we had and as well preview week three with our picks, followed by the snake draft of favorite things that come with fall. So, uh, Luke, why don't you introduce our guest here? Yeah, so I think this week we wanted to uh, grab what we perceived to be the top listener. Um, did not expect it to be Elena when we started the podcast, but uh, you know, here she is. Elena's my cousin, uh, Elena Williams, married to Taylor Williams. Um, and just a little, oh, first of all, Elena, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So just a little context about Elena. Elena is an older girl cousin, um, but growing up uh, was not afraid to you know, tangle with the boys. I think one of the, her most historic moments was when we would have wrestling matches in my basement and I would take on my bigger cousin and get beat. And then Elena would take on Mark and, and beat Mark. Um, so Elena, Elena has been around sports her whole life, um, currently in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, but I was, like I said, surprised that, you know, her, she was listening to the podcast, uh, looking forward to the podcast. And so I guess, Elena, I was just kind of curious, you know, what was it that, um, that, that turned you on to it? And, and are there, what are the things you like about it? What are the things, you know? Do you think may, maybe it could be better? Yeah, I'd say I, I got turned on to it because the first episode dropped before I was about to have a four-hour drive alone, and I thought it would be a good way to, to pass a little over an hour, and then I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was actually entertaining. It wasn't just, oh, I'll listen to this for Luke and, and tell him, you know, I thought it went well, um, and then commuting was the, the second episode, and um, and it's sort of fun to see y'all, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Like I can hold it against you when you get things wrong or right. Um, you can't take back what you said. Um, so, so far I've been impressed. That is like, <laughs> I think the, the initial idea for the podcast came maybe like two years ago when we were so hot betting football and we wanted to let the world know what we thought. And I would say this season, we have been icy cold, especially, especially Beasler. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, it's funny because it's, I know exactly when this, the idea of the podcast started. Again, a couple years ago, we were very hot and I, we were kind of talking about, hey, we should do a podcast to like talk about our picks and all this stuff. And I remember I wrote on this, uh, you know, the, a notepad, all these ideas that we had of what we could do. And when we kind of picked this back up again, I actually still had that notepad from two years ago. And obviously we changed it up a little bit. I wish we were as hot as we were two years ago, but um, it's a long season. I want to, I want to make sure everybody knows that it's a long season. I'm going to turn some things around here. Look, I, I think I am the most hot and cold better maybe out there. Right, because I I stack it, I you know go for broke, um, so maybe this podcast is either tail me or fade me, but don't don't pick and choose. Um, but I guess Elena, one thing that Beasler and I were talking about was that I got a lot of feed positive feedback from from you and my sister Anne, and part of me was like, oh my gosh, are we are we like a sports betting chick? podcast because we don't we don't go into a ton of detail on the games we're very high level uh and had said previously it was applicable to you know just when you're sitting down watching a game you spurt off you know spew a couple facts people are like oh whoa like 
they're up to date. Is that is that kind of how you uh, use use any content you get from the podcast? For sure, I use it to my advantage. I pretend like I know what I'm talking about because. I know random facts about who's playing who and what the over under is. It, it, it definitely uh, allows me to, to be in the same room as my husband Taylor when he's watching the games before he quickly gets annoyed with my uh, irrelevant commentary and asks me to leave. <laughs> so for, yeah, for context, Taylor is a huge uh, Georgia fan. Huge. Um, so he's been, He's been pretty happy the last few years since Kirby Smart came in, but not as happy as he potentially could be. Um, I think one thing that we wanted to do with Elena uh, this show was um, just kind of open up the floor for any questions throughout the show, not just kind of sort of a a quasi-AMA. A lot of people that listen ask, questions about what is this what is that what do you mean by this the slang the terminology and we thought it'd be helpful to have someone on that wasn't afraid to ask questions um but i i had heard that taylor sort of brushed you up on on as much as he could before the show so i don't know how many questions you might have um i guess for you though you know just for everyone what's your experience around football what's your experience uh, around sports betting and then I guess maybe more specifically like why do you think it is that girls typically don't gravitate towards uh, sports betting as much as guys do yeah I'd say I, I did grow up with sports I'm very familiar with football I can I, I know what's happening what 99% of things mean um, I did not grow up in sports betting my family wasn't a my immediate family not yours uh, wasn't <laughs> necessarily a a gambling family like we would if we were presented the opportunity, but I didn't grow up with it, but I am a big fan. I like, if you take me anywhere gambling, I'm going to get addicted real quick. Um, But I think girls aren't doing it as much because we're not exposed to it. I mean, like I would love to do it. I would love to spend $5 every weekend betting on a game just so I feel as passionate about it as Taylor, my husband does. Um, so this is my first soiree and attempting to, and it was relatively unsuccessful. I didn't know you can't download FanDuel in, in Georgia. Um, I tried to just make an account and play around with it, but it's not user friendly. I found, so here's what I'm thinking. Like March Madness is a time when girls who don't watch college basketball can hang, make a tournament challenge bracket. And like the the interface is easy. It's it's assuming that you're not already interested in college basketball. This was the opposite. FanDuel assumes you know what you're doing. They assume that you are an experienced gambler. Uh, so I think uh, congrats to March Madness and Tournament Challenge people. You've expanded your market. But I'd say that's one of the biggest hurdles is like you don't know where to begin. And there's no beginner's guide to gambling. Or betting online. It's actually really interesting, though, that point, because, and I've played poker before, a lot of what poker sites do is they'll have the real money side of the site, where you can, like, deposit cash and play, and then they'll have, like, a play money side of the site, where you can kind of dabble, and it's not as realistic in poker, but in something like sports betting, you could start to understand how the bets work, what the numbers mean, um, and I don't know, I don't think, fan, I mean, I've never seen on FanDuel a play money side of the site, but I think it could be, I think you're right. I think it could, could be something that's interesting to get to kind of warm people up to betting. Because I like, I'm sure you see the numbers and anyone sees the numbers and it's very confusing and overwhelming and there's lights and it looks like Vegas on your phone, right? And and it can be it can be difficult to, to comprehend if you don't know what you're already looking at. Um, for context to when... Before when we were prepping for the show, Elena Elena was texting me, "How do I open up Fanduel? Do all this stuff?" And I'm getting texts from Taylor saying, "Don't let Elena bet. She loves betting." <laughs> <laughs> once yeah, once you get the once you get the the hook, that's uh, where you got to be careful. Taylor's like she's one step away from being addicted, like all this stuff, and I'm like. <laughs> But I don't even need the money. Like Monopoly money would satisfy me, you know, like, so that's a missed market opportunity. Let me 
do fake bets. And then when the time is right, I'll want to do real money. Not that, you know, if my husband allows me to. (laughs) (laughs) So all that being said, uh, Elena, you know, did get some bets in uh, for for her picks this weekend, uh, which we'll get into a little bit a little bit later. Um, so Elena, from a sports family, married into a sports family. Been to, I know you've been to a lot of big sporting events, um, and just to like you know rattle off a few for context. Went to the Tigers Masters win. Uh, went to the Georgia Oklahoma Rose Bowl game. Um, I, I, those were the two big ones that I remember. What was the best of, of all the sporting events you've been to? What's what's been the best, mo- most memorable one? Uh, where I left the happiest with memories is the Rose Bowl for sure. Uh, there's a big one, two big ones that were missing that I did not leave happy. Uh, the Super Bowl, Patriots and Falcons, the notorious twenty-eight to three halftime one. Uh, that was memorable, but I try to block it out. And very similarly, the same year as the Rose Bowl, the national championship, uh, Alabama against Georgia, Jalen Hurts gets injured with barely any time left. Tua comes in and, um, you know, we all know where that goes. But <laughs> those were uh, two very memorable games. But I'd say the Rose Bowl is definitely the happiest memories. Talk about the Rose Bowl, like, atmosphere and just the environment there because everybody says that's the the cream of the crop like the best stadium and I've never been so from someone who has been there in a big time game why don't you like just talk about how cool this like the stadium the the atmosphere the energy before the game even yeah it was so you get there at like 5 a.m to go to this stupid parade that was amazing but that's part of the experience um but I'd say like it's cool because at the Rose Bowl, like 100% of people are really passionate. Like it's Oklahoma against Georgia. Everyone had to travel via plane to get there. It's no one was just local and got free tickets, you know? Uh, so it was just electric. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'd say that's the most electric game I've been to. Maybe the Super Bowl, but even then, like half, I feel like are celebrities, right? They just got free tickets. They don't actually care. But the, the Rose Bowl was amazing. And then it was what, double overtime? And, and it just, like, my heart rate was insane the whole game. It was, it was definitely a, a great, like, throwing me into the Georgia football scene. I think I was engaged at the time, so I, I knew what I was getting myself into after that game. I think that's, like, a, good, a, a big difference, too, of, like, let's say for people who might not understand football in general, the, one of the big differences between NFL, professional football, and college football is – the passion that comes with the fans. They're, the college fans and the atmosphere at really any college game, is it's not really comparable to the NFL. Obviously, you have very, very passionate fans in the NFL, but college is just different. That's why when we see last year, a lot of these stadiums that don't have fans, for me, college football was a lot harder to watch because the product isn't as good as the NFL, right? But it's the it's kind of the chaos that a lot of these fans can bring. And I think that's a great point of what you're saying. It's 50% Oklahoma fans, 50% Georgia fans. And that creates an unbelievable atmosphere. And you just, especially being an SEC and Big 12 school, like those schools don't typically typically get to play in the Rose Bowl. So you know everyone was pumped. Everyone was at the parade because they don't know the next time their team is going to be able to be there. Funny, from a betting standpoint, those games I remember so clearly as well. <laughs> I remember Georgia covering in overtime when they had no business covering that game. Uh, uh, New England covering the 28 after being down 28-3. And then uh, I had the, the under when they subbed Tua in and he lit it up. And, you know, I thought I was a millionaire and then it was all taken away from me. So it's, it's funny. I remember it for very, very different reasons. Um, Beasler, do we want to do we want to recap uh, the last week, week two of college football? Yeah, let's get into week two. Um, I will start with the recap, and well, actually, let's have you start because let's start with the Ohio State Oregon game, which you famously were at that we talked about last week. So why don't you talk about that game and kind of how that game went going into going to Columbus and obviously coming out with a loss on both sides. 
your gambling and the Buckeyes? So uh, I got in. I got in Thursday. You know, hung out with my brother. We went out to B Dubs Friday, bet the Coastal Carolina game. Uh, got up early on Saturday morning to go hang out with our cousin, who's an undergrad at Ohio State, also. And I think the first thing I realized is that like this is not, you know, my college experience. Huge frats. People have been drinking for you know six hours. Um, you know, it was, it it really felt like a college football day experience. Um, going into the game, I was really excited to see the horseshoe. Uh, it's massive, right? It's as big as like as big as people make it seem. Um, the game itself was a new was a noon game, which you know takes away a little bit from the atmosphere. And then very quickly, Ohio State was from behind and behind anywhere from seven to 14 most of the game. And so it felt like the life was a little bit sucked out of the stadium. Um, but overall, like very cool experience for someone who was not a, not necessarily a fan of either teams, terrible experience from trying to get Ohio State to cover. Like I was out of that from the very, very beginning. And what are you gonna do? Talk about Oregon while we're, we're on this. Do you think they're the real deal? Do you think they have a chance to now make it to the, the college football playoff? I think that what I took away from that game is that Ohio State's defense is just not where it has to be to be a top four team. Oregon, Oregon arrived that day. Like they, they were up for the challenge. Winning at Ohio State, like big deal. I think they hadn't lost there. Maybe Ryan Day had never lost at home, um, and and so like that shouldn't go. That should go underscored. But I I just for me Oregon. I know they're top four in the AP now. Took a huge. I think they went from eight to four. But for me, like not in that upper echelon yet. I don't. I don't think. I I think the Pac-12 could get a team in, but I think it could turn into a, you know. Alabama plays Oregon and wins by 24 points and it's over in the halfway through the second quarter type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think too, like Oregon has a real chance, excuse me, they have a real chance at making the playoff. That's a signature win. It shows that they've got the quality. I think it asks questions like you were saying of Ohio State. Now, they pretty much have to run the table in the Big Ten, you would think, to, to make the college football playoff. And I think... In general, as we continue to kind of recap this week, too, that was one of the more exciting weeks of college football without there being really any signature games minus the that Ohio State-Oregon game because there was a lot of shakeup, right? And now I feel like it's it's open. You still have Alabama and Georgia. Those are your front runners, And then from there, it really can be anyone, which is I feel like we normally have those top four teams or three teams, Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Well, two of those teams have already lost, and it's week two. And I think that's going to set up for a really, really exciting college football regular season, and hopefully that leads into some controversy and some really hard questions from the football committee uh, come college football playoff time. So that's um, one of those teams that played in week two that we – you and uh, Mike were really high on last week was Iowa. And they had an in-state rivalry against Iowa State. And, boy, I, they look good. Didn't I even feel close. Good. It didn't feel close. No. And they, they, man, and I don't, I think Iowa State could be a little down based on their first two games. So we'll see um, when Iowa gets their big test and how they perform there. But, I think the Big Ten's open now, right? Like, with Ohio State maybe not being as good as we think, like, this could be a year where a team like an Iowa comes in and maybe takes the Big Ten away from Ohio State. I don't know how you feel about that, but it certainly looks like it, it could be that way. Iowa opened up against Indiana and won convincingly. At the time, Indiana was ranked 17th, and that then they go to Iowa State and win convincingly as well. And, like, that game was 27-17, but not that did not feel close. I know I felt my money line pick was good in like midway through the third quarter, right? It just didn't feel like Iowa State was going to do anything. Then they play they play Penn State at home and they play Wisconsin on the road. But that's like really it after that until they get to the Big Ten Championship game, in which case I 
I'm assuming they're going to play Ohio State, but it feels like they have a pretty clear path to the top four if they don't slip. And just the way they look, they have a good defense and a solid offense. I don't know if I see them. I don't know if I see them slipping. Yeah, I agree with that. I just. They, they just, I don't know, it's weird because you never think that Iowa is going to, you know, they're going to falter at some point, but they, there's something about this Iowa team that just looks and feels different. So we'll see. That's why that's why we play the games. Uh, why don't you talk about the Texas game? I know Mike was saying last week that Texas is back, and they're not. So take the floor on them. Yeah, so I watched this game. I watched this game too, and I – Last second, put some money on Texas because Mike got Coastal Carolina or a third of Coastal Carolina right, and it did. It didn't look like it looked. First of all, it looked like Arkansas had better players. Like they they looked faster, they looked bigger. They were they ran for an absurd amount. Like it, it didn't. It felt like Texas didn't belong. And it's kind of like okay, Texas. Like, do you want to be in the SEC where you're now going to be? I mean, who knows where Arkansas actually stands, but probably towards the middle in the West. So now you're in middle in the West. You're probably like sixth or seventh best in the SEC is like Texas ready for that that role, you know. I, I And look, they, they already came out and said that they're going to change their quarterback up. Like they're not. They're still figuring it out. I, I don't know exactly. They look good against uh, Louisiana, right? They look good. Yeah, and we- – and we think Louisiana's a pretty good team. Um, but the fact that they're already changing up their quarterback, that feels like a panic move. And a team that is supposed to compete and supposed to beat in Arkansas certainly does not change their quarterback after one game. And, again, that's it, it's, it does seem a bit premature in a team that doesn't feel like they have that much confidence moving forward. Listen, I know all about quarterback changes. I know about quarterback issues. It is not the sign of a good team. So I'll leave it at that. No. So let's get into, you want to preview week three now, right? Let's talk about the, um, or do let's go over, sorry, let's continue with week two. And I'll go over my picks. I went one and four. That brings my overall record to three and seven. The only game I won was BYU and Boy, let me tell you, this was a frustrating week for me because I had my lock of the week being Army, and that game was in the bag. And I, maybe I maybe I jinxed them because I sent out a text saying the lock of the week hits again, and they're up 35-14 to 14 with 10 minutes left, and they're a triple option team, which means they just run the ball every play. So 10 minutes left being up 21, that's almost as good as a sure thing as you can get. And sure enough, they don't cover. Then the Florida game is almost, it's like another backdoor cover where South Florida scores with about three minutes late. That game doesn't cover. And then they, to cap it all off, I have to then sit through the Notre Dame game, which is a 16 and a half spread, and I'm sweating bullets to beat Toledo. So basically this week, I'll I'll already say, you will not see a Notre Dame pick from me. Um, That's for sure. Because boy, they they do I do not have any confidence in them, and so yeah, those three games to start my kind of weekend off was not ideal. But it's a bounce back week, and uh, we're gonna flip the script. No, I uh, I feel very lost. You know, we always talk about like, are you seeing the board clearly? I do not see the board at all. I'm not three and seven. I'm I think I'm four and five. Uh, but both two of my locks like haven't hit uh, Ohio State not even close uh, Florida backdoor cover like that just it just sits poorly with you the team I mean the team I do feel really good about though is Kentucky like they're I'm gonna ride them I'll, we'll talk about it later but I'm gonna ride them until they tell until they prove otherwise right they're my team I'm gonna stick with them I, I actually haven't seen a line published for them yet but um, and then I won the Iowa money line, which that's two money line picks uh, for spreads. Underdog I think. money line picks too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Two money line picks for like plus three or worse spreads, and so I don't know. I may need to may need to look at that again. Um, and then I just want to review uh, Mike Mike's picks last or Mike's pick a couple of Mike's picks last week. Uh, the triple lock 
first ever triple lock on the podcast uh went two for three but i will say that third one was a big one uh, i i know i put money on that in support of him and i think you did too um and oh my that was a cover we did not deserve and it felt like that was going to be like the the tone set the tone for the weekend like you know we're going to claw back out of this hole we're in but no we we just dug a little bit deeper yeah and we i think his locks ended up going one for three with the the full game covering but for us we he talked us into that game hard and we both just went full game against the spread which worked out perfect for us but that game again they were they were like in control i never felt like they were not going to cover the full spread and so triple lock was a bit ambitious but i respect thank you I respect it. You're, you're coming on to a podcast and you're, you're trying to make a name for yourself. And, you know, he, at least he didn't go 0 for 3. And he gave us the one pick that we ended up taking and it won. So thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate can, that. Can y'all explain what the triple lock means for a new sports better? Yes. So the triple lock is basically just he gave three locks that he felt really confident about. And we just tagged it as a triple lock. So basically, we Luke and I give one lock a week the game that we feel the most confident about. And Mike came on here last week, and he had three picks all in the same game, which we don't really see very often. And he said, these gotcha. three are my are my locks. Okay. So, again, yeah, we just tagged it as the triple lock, and it was it was one for two. So this is not, this is not a parlay, which was another option. When I was trying to select my picks, it kept on prompting me. Do you want to parlay this? I don't know what that means. Yeah, so a parlay, that, they'll try to trick you into that, especially if you're <laughs> new. A parlay, for all of our listeners who might not understand, a parlay is when you choose basically more than one game. So it's, in simple terms, let's say you choose two different bets. And to win the bet, both bets have to win. So if you only end up winning one of the two, you lose the whole bet entirely. But they try to get you because they give you better odds, right? So let's say I'm betting a $20 on just one game. You know, let's say you win $18 if you win that game. Well, if you were to bet another game for $20 and you, you win, it's another $18. Well, in a parlay, you put those two games together and say you bet $20. They give you really good odds and they, the payout would then be like, you know, $60 or something like that. So you don't risk as much, but the reward is a lot higher. But the kicker is you have to win both games, and that's kind of where they can get you. For simple math, I think the way the way I think about it is like, let's say you find a game you like and you bet ten dollars and you win, and so you now you have twenty dollars, and then you take the twenty dollars and you bet the another game and you win, and now you have forty dollars, right? So you turn ten into forty. That would just be like straight betting. In a parlay, you would start at the beginning and say, I'm going to bet game one and game two, and you lock your money up. And so instead of giving you the $40 at the end, right, because that would, you would just say, well, why would I do that and lock my money up? I want to have the optionality of like whether to bet game two or not. They give you a little bit of a, uh, like a premium because you're locking your money up for both games. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like double or nothing, but not double exponential or nothing <laughs> it's a little bit so like instead of winning 40 on a parlay right you'd probably win 44 or something like right that. it's just a, they're you they got to give you something to to lock your money up for all the games at the beginning okay perfect example of something they should put a little like information sign next to <laughs> and and say hey do you want to do this here's what it is 100 percent. let's go into week three um Week three, we there's two games we're going to talk about here. I'll take uh, one game. It'll be Auburn at Penn State. Again, this game is kind of a, a game of two teams that traditionally are always good, right? And Auburn has the potential to be great certain years, but these two teams have the feel they're going to be good, not great. But I think the exciting thing about this game is Kind of what we were talking about with the Rose Bowl, the Big 12 versus the SEC matchup is this is going to be an SEC versus a Big 10 matchup, which we just don't get to see that often because a lot of times these you know, bigger schools that have aspirations of winning a national championship, they don't really 
schedule harder non-conference games because they want these cupcakes to fill out their non-conference with four wins. And this year we get a really good Auburn at Penn State game. I think it'll just be fun to watch. Uh, again, I don't. I'm not going to bet this game, but it's one of the bigger games, and it'll be something that I'll at least watch here and there of. You know, because I don't have particular interest, but it's it's going to be a big game. Yeah. Plus, the week's not like necessarily like action packed, right? Like, there's not yeah, a ton absolutely. of other good games on on the docket. Um, the other one is obviously Alabama at Florida, and I. I don't know. Obviously, Alabama came out and like crushed Miami, and that's kind of what's the taste that's left in everyone's mouth is like Bama is clearly the favorite with Georgia very closely behind, right? Then it then you look at Florida, and it's like, well, they haven't they lost Trask, Tony, and uh, Pitts, and like that's why they're number ten right now or number ten or twelve right now. Um, they've only played FAU and and USF and one convincingly, but right who cares Bama coming into Florida it it feels like this is where Bama will really separate itself it from itself from the pack right like if Bama goes into Florida a, a respectable team and then crushes them again like people are going to say okay well let's look at who Bama's going to play in the SEC championship who can anyone beat them in the college football playoff this is the last chance to make Bama's season interesting for uh any bama fans otherwise i just booked my trip to atlanta and booked my trip to the college football playoff right yeah and i think if you're a fan of chaos the best thing that can happen here is florida to pull off an upset because back to our, our point that we had earlier the the top three teams that are always there Bama, Clemson, Ohio State would then all have one loss, and that is something we have never seen, I don't think, in this college football playoff era. Era, and I think it's again, if you're a fan of chaos, like let's strap on the boots, let's go Florida, because I don't think anyone would have any clue what's like how to judge the rest of the season, right? Like Georgia is then one, and then it's it's an open game for everyone like, once again. So that'll be a fun game to watch. So let's uh, we'll for sure keep an eye on that. And we'll next week we'll we'll talk about either how good Alabama is, or you know maybe they their armor isn't as thick as we we thought they were. Um, but yeah, let's go into our picks now. Let's start with you, Elena. Let's talk about your likes, and we'll give you the floor. Yeah. So my like uh, is not my original like. I of course had to run these options by my husband and y'all this isn't because he doesn't like want me to gamble it's because he thinks i'm going to become an addict which is fair right so i just ran it by and make sure i wasn't embarrassing myself and i originally picked tulane which is where i went to college and they showed up week one um and he said absolutely not you're not going to do this if you pick tulane he said Ole Miss is going to win or Ole Miss is going to cover so i now have as my like Ole Miss minus 14 and a half against Tulane. Uh, I want this bet to lose. I want, this is where my principles and my, I want to stick it to them and say, told you so. Uh, it's, it's my like because I'm least confident in it and I don't actually want it to happen because my personal pick was Tulane and I uh, gave in and picked Ole Miss minus This is 14. perfect. This is exactly what the show is about. <laughs> that is... What we call hedging happiness, everybody. <laughs> you, you choose the team, your favorite team, who they're playing, and you bet on them. And at the end of the day, you could potentially call it a win-win. But like we mentioned in episode one, you're always leaning towards one side. So it is very difficult to hedge perfectly. And in this case, Elena has Old Miss, but does not want Old Miss <laughs> to win, which is fantastic. Her, she needs the upper unit size to, to really balance the scales. Exactly. Uh, I'll go next. I like that pick. I think, you know, that's an, another game that we should see a ton of points in. So it'll be fun for your casual fan like myself who doesn't have interest in those teams. Uh, so my pick here, my two, I've got two likes this week. I'm going to pull the old pick out of Luke's toolkit here and do the underdog money line 
And that's going to be Virginia Tech money line at West Virginia. I think the spread in this game is plus three for Virginia Tech. I just think they look solid. I, and I don't think West Virginia is that strong of a team. And I think whether or not North Carolina is down this year, that remains to be seen. But I think Virginia Tech has a little something to them. And I, I feel like that is a really good number that I could have easily been a pick em in my mind. So why not take the juice? Virginia Tech money line at West Virginia. My next pick is Iowa minus 22.5 at or versus Kentucky State. We talked about this. I've got faith in the Hawkeyes. I think they'll cover this. I think they'll continue their hot start. Iowa minus 22.5. On to you, Luke. What do you got? I'm gonna, I think I would fade your Iowa pick because I think Kent State is actually from Ohio. <laughs> Kentucky isn't aren't they Kentucky State though? I don't, I, I don't think so. I think it's Kent State. <laughs> <laughs> you're, fade, you're not wrong. Fade the Iowa pick. <laughs> so, Kent State is from Kent, Ohio. <laughs> um, that's a field pick. That it's, it's a, a field, field pick. pick now. And um, <laughs> that's that's great podcasting. That's great research going into the game. It's like uh, you know, it's I'm like, due for a hot week, so fade at your own risk, everybody. That's like that's like Mike telling us to to bet all the service academies last week, and then Air Force is actually playing Navy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or good luck choosing that. Or one. that James Franklin James Franklin's going to go to USC when he's from Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, yeah, well, this is what we're about, right? This is great. Okay, I'll go. Um, my, I have two likes. First like is Cincinnati minus three and a half at Indiana. Here, This should be a love or a lock. The reason it's not is because when I get into these situations where the line feels so low and something feels wrong, usually I don't have my, like my finger on the pulse of the game. But this feels so, like, this spread feels so wrong. Like, it feels like Cincinnati should be favored by 10, maybe? and could easily crush Indiana just like Iowa did um, week one. So that's just one where I, I'm i nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous about it, but I, I also really like it. Um, second pick is gonna, I'm going to ride the Kentucky train. I haven't seen a spread come out, but I don't care what it is. I will take Kentucky minus whatever they are versus Chattanooga because I think they're, uh, they're going to have a streak of uh, covers. Um, this year, and so I want to. I want to be a part of it. Um, we I'll, can confirm, right, that K- Kentucky is from Kentucky, <laughs> right? Yeah. We can confirm that. I'll need to. I'll need to get in touch with our research people because they're they're failing us right now. <laughs> our <laughs> analytics guy did not prep us properly for <laughs> the Kentucky State team. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. No, that's that. Those are my those are my two likes. Um, I'll I'll kick off the loves. Uh, we mentioned that my only love before. Um, I'm not gonna mess with this Alabama team that went in and crushed Miami. I will very similar to the Kentucky game. I'm just gonna blindly go Alabama minus 15 and a half at Florida. I think I, I think Florida doesn't, and I say this a lot. Like I, they don't recruit at the level of Alabama, and they just lost their three best players. Um, I think that this could easily turn into like a, I mean, 45-21 game, 24 game. I, I don't think it's close. Um, and I think I think Alabama rules. Um, Elena, what do you got for your love? Or I should say loves. Yes, I have two Utah teams. Uh, I'm sh- as I'm sure you both are aware, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 2 premiered this week. It was a great episode. It looks like it's going to be a really promising season. And I think the players are really going to feel the momentum and the excitement in the air in Utah. Uh, It's contagious. So I have BYU plus three and a half uh, at Arizona State, I think. Uh, And then I have Utah minus seven and a half. I really just think the it's, it's a contagious electric vibe in Utah this week following that that great premiere so uh real analytical decision on my part that it those those are the hot words that like that keep this show going vibe contagious feeling electric (laughs) 
Like Buzz that words. is who we are. Yeah, that, that is exactly who we are. Yes. Real housewives. Yeah, we are a chick podcast now. It's <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, I can tell you, being from living in Utah now, I my girlfriend and I watched the Real Housewives. I think I made it through. It was cool. First episode, you're seeing some like things that are familiar, like oh, that's this, uh, that's this place. We've been there. But my goodness, I could not last more than 20 minutes during that show. So kudos to you. I love the um, the thought process behind those picks. That's what we're about. Um, and you know what? If two uh, teams from Utah come out with a win, maybe we'll, uh, we'll get some more engagement with this uh, podcast from all the Utah listeners. So good luck to both those teams. So now it's to me. I've got Oklahoma minus 22 and a half versus Nebraska. This is me again. Nebraska burned me last week thinking that they were terrible. Of course, they were not terrible enough. They covered. Again, this is it's funny because week one, we were, we're so high on uh, Oklahoma. Week two comes. Oklahoma's in a very scary game. We're so low on Oklahoma. They stink. No one touch them. Then they come out, win like 69-0, and I'm back, baby. I'm back on the Sooner train. Boomer Sooner for this week. I think they, again, they're, Nebraska is not... They're not it for me. Oklahoma, I think they had that scare that we talked about week one, and I think they're they're focused again, and they'll take care of business here. I'll uh, moving to our locks. I'll piggyback off of that. This, I so my lock is Oklahoma minus twenty two and a half against Nebraska, and this feels like a classic example of buy high, sell low. Like, we are just going to be a week late to all the Oklahoma whipsaws throughout the season because we want to be on Oklahoma's bandwagon because we have these future picks. Um, but we're very quickly discouraged uh, and maybe not as trusting as we should be. But, look, Nebraska had Nebraska uh, Nebraska won, I think, big last weekend, right? Um, oh, yeah. Won big and... I think maybe there's a little bit of uh, belief that that Scott Frost might know what he's doing. I expect Oklahoma to trounce them. I hope. I mean, I hope. I think that you know Spencer Rattler and and squad just rip through this Nebraska team. And at the, I don't hope anyone loses their job, but I hope that it's very very bad uh, for Nebraska and Scott Frost. They feel like fool's gold at this point with that win against Buffalo. Nebraska yeah. does. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like they, I mean, that they have a, a real team yet. You know, it yeah. still feels like they're figuring it out. Um, I agree with that. I'll go into my lock because it's a game we already talked about as well. This is Cincinnati minus three and a half at Indiana. You, where you're like a little nervous, where you don't, you feel like something's fishy. I just think Cincinnati is on a mission this year, right? And this is like their first big game of the year, and I don't think they're going to mess around. Like they've been so good since ha- like halfway through last season and they've carried it into this season. They're they're on a mission. They're they're I think what my brother said that they'll go undefeated this year. I'm starting to buy it, all of that hype. And I know they play Notre Dame, but I just think they're they're like the team of destiny this year, right? Like what at some point a non-Power 5 team is going to get into this playoff. And so far with the craziness of the Week 2, this could be that year. So let's they're, they're going to be my team of destiny, minus 3.5 against Indiana. That's going to be a 10-14-point 10, 10 game. I completely agree. I think like maybe they get, you know, get lazy in the beginning of the season. It's not as exciting, blah, blah, blah. But when you start seeing these big-name teams falling and the kind of college football playoff landscape opening up, this, like you said, this should be a year where a Cincinnati can get in. Absolutely. So, Elena, let's finish the gambling section with your two locks, double lock. Yes. Our, our guests a... are coming in hot with the locks, and I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I have an honest question for you guys. Bait for my locks. I have a Stanford minus 10.5 at Vanderbilt. I know nothing about Stanford, but I know that Vanderbilt uh, does not show up. So, like, when was the last time Vanderbilt covered the spread? Is like, does this happen often? Do they ever? So, I just figured bet against Vanderbilt. I'm from Nashville. I'm very accustomed to them losing. So, I just felt like this was a safe bet. But like, 
we should ask our data and analytics team when the last time they, they covered the spread was. Our data analytics team is on vacation this week, mm, as you okay. might have been able to tell from. <laughs> but no, look, Kentucky State. I actually, <laughs> I, I like this. I like this pick for like one reason, because I know don't know anything about either team. These are, it's like the battle of like two very smart schools. And I doubt they recruit like similar players, but like if you're like battling against like one smart school against the other, like there's a little bit of like rivalry there. And like you said, like Vandy's at an all time, I think an all time low for Vandy. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, Stanford, I think Stanford, I agree with you. I think Stanford covers. Um, and then in an opposite uh, vein there, uh, I have Alabama minus 15 and a half at Florida. So I, I feel like it's a safe bet. Alabama covers the spread, right? Like that's, you can count on two things, Vandy not covering and Alabama covering. Um, so those are my, my double locks for this week. So to kind of go back to that Vanderbilt bit, uh, excuse me, that Vanderbilt uh, last time they covered the spread was actually last weekend against Colorado oh State. <laughs> they were plus six and a half, and they won 24 to three. But to give you some confidence here, they played East Tennessee State, which I think is in Tennessee. Can't be too certain anymore, but they lost that game 23 to three. And I don't know anything about East Tennessee State, but I would imagine that's not a very good result for them. So I think um, this game could be up in the air, but Vanderbilt is not a very good football team. And I think that's Stanford coming off a really big win. They showed they've got a little bit of something to them. I think 10.5 should be within reason. The trend I'm seeing is when I look at all of our picks, we have two picks that are not the favorites. And when I look back at like historical picks, we have very, very few picks that are not the favorites. And so eventually, I, you know, either we got to change it up or things are going to change in our favor. But if we stick to what we're doing, I, I assume we're going to revert back to the mean. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that it's the, like they're favorites for a reason, right? Like when you look at the game, how are they going to lose this game? They're favorites. Like they're so much better than these teams. And how often does it work that way? We saw an NFL this week. Like the first afternoon games, I felt like eleven of like the fourteen underdog teams covered, and it like you when you when you try to think about who's going to win the game, there's a reason there are underdogs. You just you just don't think it's possible that they can win, that they can cover, and it feels like a lot of times the games we pick more times than not the underdogs cover and break our hearts. Definitely some systematic error on on our side because I think what you do is you start and you say okay, who's going to win this game? And you go, the favorite, right? And then you say, well, if they're going to win, they're more likely to win by a lot, right? And then that's how you get into our uh, betting sheet. <laughs> exactly. All right, so that's the picks for week three. Feel free to follow, and we will post these onto the Instagram as well before the games kick off. Uh, but we are going to finish the episode with another snake draft. And again, we are going to post the snake draft results this week uh, as well to Instagram. But the snake draft is going to be the favorite things that come with fall. Are we going to do three or four picks this time? Guess, guess honors. What would you like to do, Elena? Three or four picks? I have three, so we're going to do three. But also, I had to Google what a snake draft is. So uh, maybe you're, you know, now that you're a girl podcast, maybe the other girls would like to be educated on that. Snake draft is as simple as whoever goes, it goes one person picks, then another person, the second person picks second, third person picks third, and then the third pick, the third person then picks the fourth pick, the second person picks the fifth pick, and then back to the very original first pick. So it just kind of like goes up the list and then back down. So it doesn't reset after each round. Is this used in anything other than fantasy football? Yeah, Hedging Happiness podcast. <laughs> the point is that like, if you just went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and then started 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, the, there's like a huge advantage to being number one, right? You okay. get the first pick and yeah. the 11th pick versus like the 10th guy gets 10th and 20th. And so when you do snake, it's, it's trying to like make it even a little bit. It's trying to average out like your quality of pick. That's fair. Okay. Would you, what, 
order would you, or what pick would you like to have as being our guest? I'll go first. Yeah, that means I go last next, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's what I just learned. Um, okay. My first favorite thing that comes with fall is the snacks and the drinks. So what I mean is football tailgating snacks um, and, and fall drinks, like I, things that I have pinned on my Pinterest or saved on my TikTok. I don't execute on any of them. I execute on maybe 1%, but it still just warms my fall heart to know that I have the option of making a, you know, an orange dyed pumpkin sausage ball with a rosemary stem. I'm not going to actually do it, but I have the option. Um, and, and similarly like mold wine, it's, uh, I, this year I'm pregnant, so I won't be drinking it, but I'll still make it. So it makes my whole, whole house smell like, uh, a nice warm cup of cider mix mixed with wine. Uh, so those are my first favorite things about fall. The beauty of Pinterest, pinning something that you know you'll never see ever again. It's inevitable. All right, Luke, good pick, good pick. Luke, you're at number two. Do not, I, do not take my number one, please, but go ahead. Man, I, so I'm not going to say football because I think that's like a given, but I'm going to say like hoodie weather. Like I love the crisp, uh, the Christmas crispness when it's outside when you're outside uh it's like it's like good um snuggling weather uh it's good you know fire weather um so yeah hoodie weather great pick everyone loves hoodie and sweats it's just more comfortable i like that i was on my list i'm up now and i'm deciding that we're gonna try to vote on this these this draft this week and with that in mind i'm not gonna pass on football I'm going to take football, steal the draft, like football and fall, they're synonymous, right? Fall comes, football's here, and it warms my heart knowing that I can watch football for however many months in a row going into winter even. We're a chick podcast, man. Football's not going to be a, not going to ring well with the audience. <laughs> this is, this, that's a great point. This, it's my list though. It's my list. My number two pick is the outdoor tv with a fireplace set up like the weather gets a little bit colder you turn on the fire and then you're outside like the the vibe and the atmosphere of kind of being in that weather it's not too cold fire warms you up just enough um perfect setup there love it you didn't take my second pick which is very clearly halloween halloween is with Halloween is the second best holiday. Um, love the costumes. Love the love the candy even more. I uh, I bobbed for apples a couple years ago. That was awesome. Impossible, but awesome. Uh, so Halloween with the uh, fifth overall pick. It's a great pick. The parties too, right? Like depending like what age you are, I think you go through a lull where like maybe you're not going to as many parties, but like in college the parties are awesome. And then I feel like when you get a little bit older. Like you can still get out to those parties, which are great fun. All right, Elena, you have two picks in a row now. Let's do it. All right, my next pick is the anticipation of Christmas and putting up Christmas lights. Now, before you guys say this is a winter activity, not a fall activity, uh, we already have the pros scheduled to come out on November 1st, which makes it a fall activity. Uh, to me, the anticipation of Christmas is way more fun than Christmas Day itself, uh, and who wouldn't want to have their spirits lifted by Christmas lights? Um, so that's my my next pick. And Luke, actually, Halloween is my least favorite holiday of the no. year. It's my least favorite thing about fall. So the minute it's over, I get to to focus on Christmas. Controversy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my final. So I'm next again. That's how snake draft works. Yes. Okay. Don't get lost in the get snake. Get lost yeah. in the snake. <laughs> My final pick is a very specific event. It's a five-mile race that occurs on Thanksgiving Day in Nashville. It's called the Boulevard Bolt. Uh, Nick, you were saying last week, I think you or your brother, like the, the 11 a.m. Thanksgiving beer was like one of your favorite dr beer drinking events. Um, we do that too, but after we force everyone to run five miles in 30-degree weather. We're that family. Uh, so to me, that's a fun you know, catching up with friends and seeing family and then uh, cheering them on or, or laughing at their performance. 
that pick would have been so safe. I don't. I think that would have never. I, if I had to have a hundred picks, wouldn't have made my list because I also <laughs> come from a family that does this as well, and I they try to drag me into it every single year, and I politely decline every single time because I, being a soccer player, I do enough running as it is, and if it's my free time, I don't want to go run. And there's nothing like I get the whole idea of it, right? You want to go exert yourself before you eat stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll cut that out. <laughs> I get the whole thing like fill yourself up before you or excuse me, exert yourself before you have all the food and the beer and the wine. But I'm going to do it anyway, so I, I don't need to I don't need to run. It doesn't make me feel better about myself. I'm with Elena here and I'm I'm part of the the Boulevard Bolt gang, so uh, but I think the key is to not like kill yourself, right? Put on like a turkey costume, make it like a little bit lighter, so no one's like checking your time and being like, "Oh, Luke's like extra slow this year," you know? Like, what's going on? He's get you know getting old. Uh, but I like that's hard because in my family, my dad goes so hard, and it's like if I were to run it, like I can't lose to my dad because he he will hang that over my head and be like, "Well, it looks like your old man's got you," like. Like I'm pretty fit, and and he is very fit, but that's I could never let him beat me in a run. So that's why I just I politely decline. <laughs> politely decline. I respect it. Um, I'll go. All right, I'm next. Uh, and I miss these so much. I'm, I'm. This was like probably my first pick, but I thought it was safe, and it was. Thank God. I miss like corn mazes and like. I would, I'll, I'll throw corn mazes, like haunted corn mazes, haunted houses, you know, those like big thing or uh, the big Halloween fall, like, you know, you go out like 45 minutes outside the city. Um, I, I, haven't, I went to one like halfway in Chicago a couple years ago and it just like wasn't the same as when you're like in, you know, rural America where like anything can happen. The guy pulls a chainsaw and it's supposed to be fake, but you don't know. Is it like some crazy guy in the cornfield? Uh, so yeah, cornfields for the uh, number seven pick, eight pick. Yeah, if you if you think that's a steal, then you're mistaken, my friend, because I don't think there's many people that first thing that comes to their mind about fall, they're like corn <laughs> mazes. That's what I look forward to about fall. So, but hey, great pick though. I'm glad you I'm glad you took it. <laughs> my final pick uh, final pick of the snake draft I was torn and I will give the second one that I was torn between but my pick is going to be soup <laughs> once fall comes around it becomes soup season and you you just start you can't have them in the summer it's too hot and it's the beginning of a long soup season that carries into winter but yeah, it's no, there's nothing better than a good soup. You know, I like that pick if you were trying to resonate with our 80 plus and older crowd. You know, like you don't have teeth, so you just got to stick with soup. Uh, I think I think if that's who you think our view, if, if that's where you think our numbers are going, uh, then I think it's a great pick. I just am picking what's on my list, and I think there's going to be a lot of soup fans out there. I was also in between candles, like the candles you know what is the bath and body works like three for 24 three wick candles and you just light many different scents throughout your house but the sweater weather candle the fall leaves candles is a good thing about fall as well we'll see is that it anybody else have any other ones that they liked or uh we do like a we do like a fall thanksgiving tailgate every year tennessee versus vandy that's pretty fun but I, i'd lump that into like thanksgiving and but uh that's always something I look forward to when fall hits. Sure, sure. All right, that's a good list. We'll, again, we will post this onto Instagram at Hedging Happiness, and we will see who comes out with, with the win, and good luck to both of you. I think this will be the first week that we do that, and hopefully it sticks uh, moving forward. So that's a wrap with week three. Wish us luck, especially me. I need the luck going into this uh, week three uh, gambling slate. As always, thank you guys for listening. Feel free to subscribe and give. why not give us some five stars? Give us some five stars. Help us out a little bit. We're out here having fun, but we, uh, we do appreciate getting our followers up and, and getting our five-star ratings up. So thank you, everybody. 